Hello and welcome to Criticism is Dead, a weekly culture podcast about what we're watching and what it all means, if it means anything at all. I'm Penn and Keskin Liu, a producer and writer. I'm Jenny Jijong, a culture writer and critic. This week we are discussing Cha Cha Real Smooth, and I love that for you. A movie and a TV show about two adults trying to figure out adulthood. Yeah, we love this shit. We yeah. love this shit. <laughs> you know, just the constant ever-learning experience of adulthood until we die. Um, mm-hmm. You know how it is. So just just to let you guys know, this is the second time that we are recording this podcast because yeah, we disclaimer. found out. <laughs> disclaimer, I was not recording on my end when we tried the first time. Uh, you know, it was about to happen. I, I feel like we've, this has never happened to us before. It's a common podcasting recording problem. Yeah. Um, and it finally a, came for us. A rite know? of initiation in a indeed, way. Indeed. And now yeah. it will never happen again because... Yeah. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. We'll we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But so sorry if there's any amazing insight on our first attempt at this. Um, You're never going to get it. Yeah, you're never going to get it. But anyway, how's your week been? Yeah, this week has been okay, as always. I am in a shopping mood, I guess, because recently I've been hitting up more of these online sales if I can. I've Mm. been trying out some new brands. Um, I finally gave in to my lifelong impulse to buy eileen fisher and like <gasps> embrace being a 60 year old and oh my and, god yes what yeah you get? well it got some like nice linen pants you know mm. it's it's summertime gotta gotta look out for the heat yeah uh, and i don't know just like the way that i want to dress right now is extremely comfort first yes nice fabrics first yes. um nothing fancy nothing f- yeah. uncomfortable nothing too trendy uh yeah. that's just how i want to work and you know it's very expensive eileen fisher in case yes. you weren't aware but yeah uh, i think i'm finally gonna be at the point where i'm like okay i'm gonna buy a couple things a year and then slowly make all of my wardrobe eileen big fisher up the capsule wardrobe man big it up yeah. like straight yeah. up this is this is also Good for the environment, too, because we're not engaging right. in too much fast fashion. We're just trying to get good yeah. quality things, fewer, wear it for yeah. longer, have a little uniform going, you know, like mm-hmm. uniforms. Agreed. Very, Agreed. very underrated. Um, <laughs> congrats, man. Oh, like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I think this is amazing. Like, as someone that is, as you all know, I'm a tourist. To me, natural fibers, <laughs> comfort above all else like you know just well cut nice materials that's the whole jam this is great i'm glad thank you very much uh how are you pellen i'm good i tried pole dancing for the first time yesterday um yeah uh i've I've always wanted to because i have friends that swear by it um Mm. and i've been trying to like just try new things you know and also get my body moving because you know pandemic you know how it is um Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know if it's for me um i think i I need to go for one more lesson to fully decide if it is is it hard like physically i'm sure it is it it is hard it is definitely hard like my back hurts today which is good you know it's it's always good to feel the pain after a Mm. workout it's just that you know, I think it's more for people that don't like working out and prefer, a, you know, a distractive way of working out where it's like a Trojan yeah, horse. Um, that's that's I'm, me sometimes. Yeah, which I which I completely get. And I, if that's what works for you, it works for you. Um, it's just that with pole dancing, it's it's a balance between like performance and fitness. And the performance side of it scares me because I'm not 22. And if I arch my back while engaging my core... I think I might die and uh, never walk again <laughs> um, because that's Not where good. I'm at now in my yeah. life. Um, yeah. 
So I, I, I think that's a bit tough for me. I'm also very comfortable with just doing weights in the gym. Um, yeah. Like, and that's very severely filed under fitness. <laughs> like, you do not look good or any of that shit um, yeah. when you're doing that. So I don't know. We'll see. I'll give it another yeah. go. Um, but good on you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Try, you know. Trying some new stuff. Always, always nice. Hell yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's pretty much been my week. Just, you yeah. Know, just chilling and pole dancing. Um, <laughs> Not a bad week. <laughs> no. Um, and in terms of your watching habits, what yes. did you watch this week, Belen? So I watched Cha Cha Real Smooth, which is now on Apple TV Plus. Um, mm. I watched this a while back, uh, when it was, when it got screened on Sundance. And I rewatched this again last night, um, just to kind of remind myself. So it was nice and fresh in my memory. But mm-hmm. this is, this is a sophomore film by Cooper Rafe, who we really enjoyed his directorial debut, Shithouse, uh, mm-hmm. a while back. And we talked about it too. You know, this is the second film, same he wrote, directed, and stars as a protagonist in this one as well. The, the protagonist in this one is, is a guy called Andrew. He is a college graduate who's trying to figure out his life after his girlfriend moves to Barcelona. Um, and he stumbles into the bar slash bat mitzvah party starting business in suburban New Jersey, which is where he is staying at. You know, he's staying in his stepfather's house with his mum and his brother, David. Mm-hmm. Um, he meets Domino who is played by Dakota Johnson and her autistic daughter Lola, who's played by the newcomer Vanessa Berghart, who is also an actress with autism. Uh, and, you know, him and Domino's friendship slash romance uh, develops uh, with a little bit of tension because Domino is about to get married to somebody else called Joseph, who is a lawyer that's played by Raul Castillo. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, what were your, uh, you know, I think you watched it for the first time on Apple TV Plus and I, mm-hmm. I gave you a heads up that I'd enjoyed it back in the day, but what yeah. were your thoughts on it? I think I liked it uh, overall, broadly. Mm-hmm. I did not like it as much as Shithouse, I'll say that. Uh, yes. I just yeah. felt like Shithouse had more emotional resonance for me, was mm-hmm. a little bit more raw and, uh, yeah. you know, enjoyed that more. But, you know, this mm-hmm. is still a pretty enjoyable film it is watchable it is it's fun it has some moments of depth um mm-hmm. it has like charm and charisma throughout yes um yeah. but i do wonder like i i think i made the mistake of stumbling into some cha-cha real smooth discourse slash like critical reception you know reception yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> before i actually watched the film and i wonder if that actually colored my experience a little bit mm. because a lot of the reception from people I respect, critics I respect, um, has been surprisingly negative, which, yeah. or strongly negative even, yeah. which, um, I don't know, maybe that had some influence on the things that I'm sort of going to pick out a little bit in my yeah. analysis of the film, but yeah. yeah. I mean, you are specifically talking about Manola Dargis's, uh review in the New yes. York Times. <laughs> um, yes. So, first of all, it's always enjoyable to read a well-written review, whether it's a pan or it's positive. And I think Manola mm-hmm. Dargis, when she writes a pan, is very, very good yeah. <laughs> at, at basically ripping something to shreds and is really mean about it in mm-hmm. a in a very, you know, intelligent way. She, yes, she's a really yes. great writer. My takeaway from that review was, even though I get where she's coming from, I did find it a little bit unnecessarily mean uh, and a little bit, like, almost willfully critical and again, we've talked about this before with critics. You have different 
tolerances for different things. And I think maybe there's just something about Cooper Rafe that annoys the shit out of Manola Dargis that doesn't annoy me as much, mm-hmm. you know? And fair. Yeah. I think there's like a video going around of Ebert talking about a review, a review, whether it's a negative one or a positive one should make the person reading it want to watch it either way. Um, and I think this mm-hmm. is a good example of that. I still think you should watch it. Like, I think everybody should make their own decision about it. It's just funny how mean that review was. And I get, again, I get, and same as you, I kind of get it. We love critical reviews. We love it. We love it. We love it. And we understand, I think just for base level, we understand that everybody has personal feelings about everything. That's the reason why we like Brody, because he just fucking hates everything um, and is mean (laughs) about everything. Um, And you kind of, he makes a good job of, explaining why um i just mm-hmm. simply disagree and i think this is there's parts of Dargis's review that i agree with and mm-hmm. most of it i disagree with um mm-hmm. anyway that being That's said mm-hmm. that being said i agree that it isn't as good as shithouse um and yeah. we'll get we'll get into why a little bit later in terms of what we do like uh what did you like about this like what was it that really worked for you because this is there are far more uh the, the number of relationships between the protagonists is far more than shithouse um yeah you know more characters way too. more characters yeah more and complexity so, yeah like the romantic side of it aside with uh andrew and domino you've got the relationship between andrew and his brother david you've got the relationship between him and lola you've got the relationship between him and his mum. you've even got the relationship between him and you know the girl that he grew up with in in school and his, even his stepfather, and they're all in the orbit. Do you have a favorite out of all of these? Was there one that really kind of like you were rooting for a little bit more? I like the relationship between Andrew and his mother, who's played by the wonderful Leslie Mann. Yes, um, yeah. And also Andrew and his younger brother David. I both of those familial relationships mm-hmm. were very strong to me. They they read as like very deeply felt and authentic and familiar and lived in. Um, And I think that's like sort of a thread that you can see from Cooper Rafe's previous film, also his familiar relationships. So I I really enjoyed seeing those play out on screen and how they could be pissy with each other. They could be vulnerable with each other. They could uh, be straight with each other. Uh, That is all (laughs) signs of a healthy relationship, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, I really enjoyed the (laughs) the interaction between him and his stepfather, Greg, who's played by, you know the amazing brad garrett yeah um, just a hilarious comedic not necessarily that he hates his stepfather but he just doesn't respect the guy and not it, at all it's yeah. so funny uh watching that play out and and i like that their arc as well i like kind of where it landed too mm-hmm. um but yeah no i i, I agree that the the family uh interactions are the strongest and cooper rafe now that we have his second film we see the trend of mm. uh healthy familial relationships honestly like for the most part great relationship with his mom really great relationship with his brother like they deeply love each other and that showcasing that love is i think i don't know if it's top priority for cooper in his films but um i certainly see that and i recognize it and i appreciate it because it's not often that that happens um but yeah so i i I think i kind of want to zero in on domino and andrew and their relationship because i think that's the through line and i also think that that's obviously the thing that we can critique the most um Mm, you know you know like on my rewatch i realized that i'd forgotten that domino was the person that kissed him first and i'd forgotten that domino kissed him twice Mm -hmm. in my mind they didn't kiss at all like from my memory from the first one it was just 
platonic. Like he was just pining after her and there was tension there, but nothing ever happened. Like, and I he was like misreading signs or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like I mean, that wishfully been, thinking. You yeah, know? that would have been preferable, I think, in terms yeah, of yeah. a filmmaking and writing perspective. I think yeah. that would have been smarter to create some complication there. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I have to admit that I also had an issue with Andrew and Domino's relationship. I mm. had an issue with the character of Domino in general. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think... I get that. She yeah. was just so vaguely shaded. She didn't mm-hmm. seem like a real person. Like, yeah. they dropped all these hints about her background. Like, like she's this wild girl. She, like, sleeps with everyone. Yeah. Um, but there's, like, nothing further about that. You just you just hear that. You don't see how that is connected to her actually as a person yeah. or a character, even just as hearsay. Yeah. Or whether that is part of her history. Yeah. Um, or, like, her miscarriage um, yeah. in the bathroom. Or... Or anything about her as a person, really, except that she is kind of a struggling mom floating through th- through the world, and she is looking for some adulthood instability. Yeah, um, I think, but then actually pursues something else with her own heart. So right, I don't really right. get her as a character. Yeah, like it's funny because Dakota Johnson, I think, does a really good job of being the woman that andrew sees you know which is yeah. beautiful and a little bit mysterious yes mm-hmm. um in her, both in her choices and the way that she acts and like earnest and a little bit emotionally open and fragile like we see that through andrew's eyes and like we get it you know like we get why he's a little bit obsessed with her the downside mm-hmm. is is i think the character of joseph who is the person that she is marrying is that that's where i come back to of being like uh, I don't know. I think they lean too much in to the question of why the hell is she with this guy in terms yeah. of their casting decisions into like genuinely yeah. why the fuck is she with this guy? Like I still, yeah. upon my second watch, I don't know. I don't get it. They and don't really give him any redeeming quality. No. Well, maybe like one or two, but they, they largely paint him as like the type, you know, the cold, yeah. distant lawyer, yeah, like very uh, business-minded type. And- Stoic you know yeah and maybe if we are seeing that from andrew's point of view maybe that that does ring true to him but yeah it's not just a film entirely from andrew's point of view right like we see these scenes without him there that are like clearly real life playing out in these moments and even from that perspective where we're like okay this is like not just through andrew's like biased view yeah we still don't get a good idea of like who Domino is, like why she's into Joseph, yeah, like why who she Joseph made the choice is. of yeah. yeah, exactly. Like it, it's funny because she explains it in terms of why why she does want to marry him. Like she does love him. She does need the stability. He, mm-hmm. you know, she, he's like a safe harbor for her. Whatever. I totally get that. But I still need to understand Domino. You know, I I still think that she deserves the respect of everybody understanding that, like her need to be with joseph is earned and i don't know if it was as earned as it could have been right what drove her to this like what experience like what sort of shaped her into making this decision um and there is like sort of a parallel track between like that and andrew's mother's relationship with his stepfather and like yeah again it's this mother this woman um who has whatever kind of history whatever bipolar disorder like yeah yeah. like the mother has bipolar disorder she has 
damage her friendships or relationships with other people because she has episodes sometimes and and her the stepfather and again andrew doesn't understand he's like why are you with him yeah but the stepfather offers some something to his mother and in that case we can understand it's like he loves her he's safe he's comfort he is always there for her yeah and he always will be yeah and there's that sort of generosity lent to that relationship but not really to domino and joseph's relationship like we just don't really get to see as much of that yeah i mean i wonder how much of this is because cooper rafe is still in his 20s you know like Uh, very highly (laughs) it's it's like shithouse was produced in while he was still in college and then post you know right after college and then you know this is the the protagonist is graduated from college now it's great because it kind of talks about that weird moment post graduation where you don't know what you're doing with your life you can't, you kind of like make absurd weird decisions that you would never make 5 years later you know and that mystery of it all and that weird like cringe memory that you get at that point in your life where you're like latching onto anything that can give you direction even if that direction is misplaced I get it. It's just, mm-hmm. and and this is obviously like very recent. Like he's literally living it, and then he's making a film about it. Um, immediately yeah. after, which yeah. which I think is the overall critique that someone like Dargis is kind of zeroing in on. And the reason why I think that's a little bit mean is because what's wrong with that? Like it happens. Like it, it obviously most filmmakers are very good or older and have lived life, and that kind of gives you that reflection. But there's also something to be observed about recently going through everything and observing you know someone like domino someone like his mother for example at that age in their life and Mm. kind of i don't know if this is what he meant by it but you know someone can watch that and be like well you think that love is just all about stability and that's all it's about you know Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what's being communicated to us and it's like well no (laughs) like if you if you've lived if you've had a long-term relationship for 10 to 15 years and you're in your 30s or your 40s that's not yeah that's part of it but that's not all of it and i do think that he puts it in with his lines of dialogue when he's talking to these female characters in his life <laughs> but i don't know if it's communicated to us through the protagonist which it can't be because this guy is in this guy's 22 like the protagonist is 22 so yeah it's th- but, uh, there's, there's a limit to it but i get it you know yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting in any case to see if Cooper Rafe continues this thing of, you know, making films that sort of fall where he also is in life, like yeah. when he's 28, 29, right. like a film from being on the cusp of your 30s yeah. and like onward yeah. all the way throughout the course of his life. That yeah. that would be kind of interesting because each of it is like a sort of peek into the mind and the life of someone around that age. Right. And, you know, like with Sally Rooney and her books, it's a similar thing, you know, Mm. where she also writes about a very particular point in her life. And there's always, it's always interesting to to see it when it's still raw within you. In terms of filmmaking, I think Mike Mills is a perfect example of Cooper Rafe but older. You know, like earnest Mm. films about relationships, about family, about love. Um, Obviously, Mike Mills is a little bit different because he's older and he's lived more and he understands it but it's the same uh i think it's the same filmmaking like emotional technique that's being employed here anyway that being said um i think the character of andrew in terms of his like (laughs) intentional or otherwise emotional manipulation is really fascinating to observe um because he means well and i think i think cooper rafe might 
need to catch himself for his next film to see if his protagonist means well to the point of not exploring it or being too scared to show his protagonist as a bad person mm. you know and i think yeah. i think yeah. this is just something that he needs to really um be careful about because it's like it's two films now where the protagonist is very likable dude like even when he's being a prick you kind of get it and even mm-hmm. though his his emotions are misplaced he means well and you feel bad for him and everybody loves him you know and it, it's it's yeah. it's endearing but you need it to be an interesting film and your yeah. your protagonist should be a little bit more complicated than that yeah, it's endearing, but it can also be frustrating because yes. we see yeah. where actually like the the faults of the protagonist lies. But it's almost like he's a little bit too afraid to go there. He's a little bit too mm-hmm. attached to maintaining this idea of you know fundamentally this this guy's a good guy. Um, to fully explore how much of a dick sometimes yeah. some people can be. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's interesting because I think the issue with him and Joseph could have easily been explored a bit Mm. more like there could Mm -hmm. have been more of a confrontation there could have been more of a resolution post-confrontation these are the things that i was craving like it just kind of you know just take it a little bit further it's okay like it's okay that he's a bit of a dick sometimes um even when he was mean to his brother i thought that was really strong because that's real and now Mm -hmm. we get to see their relationship transform over time Mm -hmm. and it just Mm -hmm. the payoff is so much better but yeah, I mean, that being said, like all of this being said, I, I think this is such a good attempt at a second film. It's a little bit, you know, it's a bigger budget. You're dealing with stars. He's directing all these people. He's directed He's mm-hmm. directed a newcoming actor, which is, you know, for someone that just made their first film like the other day, um, he does a really <laughs> good job of just pulling it off. Mm-hmm. This this was what we were impressed about with Shithouse as well. Even though he's young and you can kind of see the emotional immaturity of his writing with his characters sometimes, the fact that he pulled it off and the fact that he has communicated something to us that feels good, that feels like we understand where he's coming from, is wild. Like, it's so hard to make a film. The fact that he pulled it off, again, um, for the most part, is also really impressive. And again, we said this last time, really excited to see what he does next. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, Jenny, so what did you watch this week? So this week I watched I Love That For You, which is on Showtime. This is a comedy series created by Vanessa Bear, you might know from SNL, mm-hmm. and Jeremy Byler. This first season has eight episodes that are about half hour each. As of the time that we're recording this, we haven't seen the finale, which is out today. So mm-hmm. this discussion will only cover like maybe up until the through the first seven episodes mm-hmm. or so. Yeah. Um, so a little bit more about the show. It stars Bayer as Joanna, um, who is a woman who had childhood leukemia, but has since recovered. And this was directly inspired by Vanessa Bear's own experience because she also had cancer when she was in her teens and has mm. since recovered. Mm-hmm. So in the story, Joanna has always dreamed of being a host for the shopping channel SVN, which is kind of like a QVC. Mm-hmm. And she finally manages to get in after an audition. And she joins this like lineup of hosts, including her idol, Jackie, Molly Shannon, but she is on the verge of losing her job because of a screw up and she's about to be fired when she suddenly just like blurts out this excuse slash lie, which is that she still has cancer, mm-hmm. even though she does not have cancer anymore. Yeah. So this 
quickly becomes like this all consuming lie or secret that's on the verge of being exposed. Mm -hmm. It defines her whole character, like her on air persona, everything. uh, And it helps SVN sell a lot of products. So it's very important. Um, But of course the, the tension comes from when will she finally either spill the beans or someone will spill them for her. Yeah. So um, that's sort of like the TLDR of the show. Pellin, how far along are you in watching this, and what are your thoughts so far? So I have watched until episode five, and mm-hmm. my thought so far is that this is really funny. Like, I've laughed out loud at several moments oh, in this. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this is, I appreciate you for suggesting that we watch shows like this, because this is kind of like your bag. And for me, I forget <laughs> yeah. that it's missing in my this. TV diet, because it's just proper like meat and potatoes, comedy satire, half hour that I don't really seek out necessarily. Mm-hmm. But once I have it and once I'm mm-hmm. watching it, I'm just having a really good time. So yeah, I'm having a good time with this so far. What about you? Oh, yeah, I'm I'm having a good time too. I'm enjoying it a lot. I think it's really funny. Mm-hmm. It has heart as well. It yeah. has the uh, typical workplace showbiz shenanigans, which are always mm-hmm. a lot of fun. It sort of reminds me of the other two, which yes. we talked about in a previous episode. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, st- also has Molly Shannon in it, mm-hmm. but that's just sort of like a coincidence. Uh, the other two is a little bit sharper, I think, but it's all within this similar universe of humor and like entertainment showbiz adjacency. I think, yes. uh, yeah. those are things that I love in these kind of half hour episodes or, or sitcoms or comedies yes. or whatever. Not many people are talking about, I love that for you so far. Like that it is true. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of flying under the radar, which is a little bit of a shame because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i don't know i think it's it's a show that a lot of people would like i think vanessa bear especially i'm like very into what she's doing like this is her first mm-hmm. sort of big project i guess outside of like it's SNL. her show yeah right? it's her show yeah. she's a showrunner yeah. she obviously this is drawn from her, her own story or her own experience like this this parallel track of she's using her childhood illness to create this art and this comedy, as as Mike Hale, the the New York Times critic, he pointed out in a review. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, it's it's yeah. sort of doing that on multiple levels. Um, yeah, it's very meta. Like it's interesting because obviously the Joanna is her whole thing at the beginning is like I don't want to be known just for my cancer. Yeah, um, and that's how I grew up. Mm-hmm. And then she's you know come right back around to to the to this, and yeah. I assume that that's the whole question that Bayer is also trying to tackle yeah for herself yeah sort of a wink and a nod at that um Mm -hmm. and i think if you've had that experience like why not you survived so so make make what you will of it um yeah i'm so i'm really enjoying like vanessa bear's performance as well like she is Mm -hmm. so known for being this kind of awkward very funny character in these small bit roles and cameos all over the place and she's finally getting to be the protagonist like be the the headliner here and she adds like some depth to this very awkward um socially inept (laughs) like midwestern gal persona definitely because like for the most part whenever we see a vanessa bayer you know whether it's on snl or a cameo like she was just on barry Uh and and was in a scene that was one of the funniest in that entire season (laughs) um her whole thing is obviously her comedic facial presence you know Mm. like her extremely wide pained grin yeah um which instantly makes everybody feel incredibly uncomfortable (laughs) yeah um but it's just funny that obviously this is used as a strength 
because she is someone that makes everybody in the workplace feel a little bit uncomfortable and awkward mm-hmm. too. And it's all over the marketing materials, which I think is really smart for Showtime to lean into. Um, it's so recognizable. Like, you, you know that face. You know her yeah. immediately. It's mm-hmm. like her trademark. So, yeah, I agree. I think the fact that, like, that's a jumping off point and we're just exploring Joanna as a character through this. Um, yeah, you, you, it, it, you, we push past the awkwardness and we suddenly feel very sorry for her, you know? Yeah. And, and kind of that obviously builds empathy, that, which is fantastic for any protagonist. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think the main thing for me is like, I don't care about the secret so much. Like, I get that that's a narrative drive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, it, it's so good to see how she, in, how she is a, character is and then how the people around her in that that kind of interact with her like molly shannon yeah it has a strong cast and the characters are all they are actually like in a lot of ways like sort of archetypes that we're very familiar with like yes. molly shannon for example she frequently plays this very like warm and bubbly kind of person yeah um so she's not playing anything new here but she is a delight like a whole delight in this yes and then yeah. And then there's also like Jennifer Lewis as the CEO, Patricia. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not as familiar with her work, but she's like very good in this. And from what I understand, like, yeah, this is not a new kind of character for her to play, but no, she's like doing no, it very yeah. well. She's very like, she's always played the very cutting, you know, the hard truths, mm. uh, not, yeah, just that, that's kind of like been her vibe. So it's, it's great to see her in this girl boss. Uh, yeah. Uh, like the Sheryl Sandberg of the QVC world mm-hmm. kind of version of, of all of this, which is hilarious. Like, she's so funny. She's like yeah. such a scene stealer every time she's on screen. But totally. I really like the relationship between her and uh, her assistant, Darcy, who's played by Matt Rogers, who we recently just talked about how great he was on Fire Island. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he's getting he's some so work. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Great. Yeah. And here again, like, He's playing, I guess, what you could call another archetype, like the gay assistant, more or less. Yeah, yeah. But he is doing it very well. He's very funny. Yeah. Um. He has this whole, you know, sort of side story, side plot. Mm-hmm. Um. And he's showcasing like his acting chops as well, and like how there is more to this assistant than just being like a source of like killer one-liners or yes. sass or whatever like yeah so all of these characters they are doing things with their archetypes they're playing roles that they have played before but they're just like doing it very well and adding some extra layers on top of that and it's so I, good yeah 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 and i think that's sort of what defines the show overall like it's nothing very new it's not like reinventing the wheel it's nothing that we've never seen before but it's taking all these familiar things, whether it's like the plot, the storyline, the the characters, and it's just executing them very well and making yeah. it a really fun time to watch. It's it's so enjoyable to just sit down with this, whether it's on a week to week basis or you're getting all of it done in one sitting, like that is just like a like you said, it's a certain slice of a TV diet, but I think it's yeah. one that I enjoy a lot personally. And, it, and it's also like, if you want to get into the weeds with it, 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 in terms of satire, it's it's a really good example of American satire. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is such an American-themed show in that it's about a QVC-type uh, TV show, which I didn't really grow up on that, obviously. Um, didn't have American cable growing up. Didn't mm-hmm. really know what it was until like Requiem for a Dream, which is a very yeah. dark introduction uh, to this. Does but... the UK not have like QVC type job? Oh, channels? I'm sure it does, but I didn't have like I, our cable was Sky and I didn't have Sky. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, we didn't have 
really th- those types of shopping channels. Um, and I've I've seen them when I'm in a hotel room, and I just find them fascinating. It does and seem it, quite American in a way. It's so astounding. I I didn't realize how popular they are. They are <laughs> and like the the profits that they. It's just fascinating to me, and I get I get the appeal. It's just so it's so American and the way that the show kind of tackles that kind of both the capitalist framework that everybody is functioning within in, Mm. in, you know, obviously the most capitalist country in the world um, in terms of the archetypes of the different people. Like, you know, the, you know, in the pilot where everybody's introducing themselves because Patricia is asking them like, what are you selling? You know, what what are you selling me? Yeah. And And they deliver their brand personas more or less. Yeah. I mean, like, first of all, that, that scene itself is just such a, an amazing masterclass in introducing characters and introducing mm-hmm. a workplace in mm-hmm. general. It's so theatrical in a way because everybody's in the same space yeah. and there's like face acting going on. The line deliveries are so good. Anyway, just when when everybody goes around and says like they're, they're who they are and what they're yeah. selling. Yeah. In like terms we of get the ideology. The, yeah, of course. And how they appeal to certain markets. Like we get the... yeah. The guy who's like a southern mama's boy, um, yeah, yeah. and then we have like the young glamorous wife who's like kind of an influencer. And yeah, then, like how does she do it all? And, yeah. and everybody's jealous of her. Yeah, and and then Molly Shannon's character is like your bubbly best friend you've known forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then the mm-hmm. question is like Vanessa Bayer, uh, her character Joanna, who are you? And yeah. she doesn't know yet, and she doesn't yeah. know until she finally decides like. I'm the cancer girl. Yeah, I'm the I'm the sympathy. You know, I'm the person that everybody feels sorry for, mm-hmm. and and doesn't want to become, and like the person that people spend money on so that they can feel better about themselves, basically. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. which is a, a common issue with how people receive illness. Um, but it's just fascinating. I find that like ideologically, in terms of what it's trying to tackle, even if it is, or you know, intentionally or otherwise, it's it's pretty interesting and it's actually smart you know um yeah so i'm enjoying that part of it a lot yeah also say note it's like funny qvc type stuff as it's having a moment like hacks yeah qvc played a huge role in this huge role yeah yeah Um, very pivotal yeah it's just funny because i i I find hacks to be very similar to the comedic tone of of Mm. this as well like it's the same kind of satirical it's just shot differently. Like, you know, yeah. one's, one's HBO, the other one's Showtime. One's a yeah. little bit, it, one, one reads a little bit more like multicam. The other one's a little bit more prestige Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, I'm hoping more people watch this. I'm hoping it gets picked up for a season two. Yeah. I have not seen it renewed yet in, in news and announcements. So. Yeah. Mm. Renewals it, it, are weird these days, dude. They What's going are. On? There's like What's a lot of anxiety on? about these things right yeah. now. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, but, me too. I hope I hope it gets yeah. renewed for season two as well. I'm excited to watch uh, the remainder of the episodes in the finale tonight. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Um, everyone else, check it out, and maybe we can get enough buzz for this to to keep it going. Yeah, man. So for culture notes this week, we are going to be discussing the iconic now uh, photo of Ryan Gosling as Ken. Uh, it's mm. the first thing that we've seen from the upcoming Barbie film. I think that comes out next year, right? Like 2023 sometime. Am I right? Like that. A-, a long way from now. And very long, very long. Yeah. So this is the, this, and it's funny because there's been so much buzz about this film. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this it's the Greta Gerwig, uh, Noah Baumbach film about, about Barbie. Barbie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
And it's, I think everybody was super excited about it, even pre-pandemic when it was coming out, because it's like, okay, first of all, like tone-wise, I don't, it, it kind of threw everybody off. Um, and so we were super curious about what this was going to be. And then the casting news came in uh, where Margaret Robbie plays Barbie and then Ryan Gosling plays Ken. And that obviously created even more buzz. And then finally we got this photo this week and everybody it just sent everybody spinning into multiple different directions. Some people loved it and some people are a bit skeptical. So do you want to describe what we're seeing for anybody that has been living under a rock? Yeah, so it's Ryan Gosling with this platinum shock of hair. Um, <laughs> yes, he's looking very orange, very tan. Uh, yes, you know you get you get his abs because he is wearing basically a, a denim vest and and nothing else. <laughs> yes, it's it's a very we haven't really seen him like this before. Like no. this total. Uh, I don't even know if I would call this like a prep or whatever. He just looks like a, he looks like a plastic middle-aged Ken more or less it's yeah. kind of some people hate it some people love it where are you on this line Pellin? I fucking love it dude okay <laughs> first of all we have seen him in this look it's just so it's like the the CM France different. version of it very yeah, very different yeah. like <laughs> very bleach blonde tatted up uh mm-hmm. vest in place beyond the pines obviously and then in drive as well I think he was blonde like super blonde in drive too mm-hmm. but I'm not worried because I think this says a lot about the type of, like, the tone that this film is going to take, which we knew that there was going to be some kind of dry humor because it's Greta Gerwig and Bob Buck, you know, like, Mm -hmm. we all knew that. But just seeing these photos further cements that he's going to be fucking fantastic. Like, you know, he is not the most conventionally... Uh, like Adonis type attractive, but people find yeah, him attractive. I find him attractive. He's not what you would think of as as Ken. But... Yeah, no, he's the, he's Canadian boy hot. You know, like it's it's <laughs> a little bit different. It's a little bit more intellectual or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously Ken is a massive himbo, or that's what mm-hmm. we think. So maybe he isn't. Who knows? I'm just yeah. excited because like we've obviously seen Crazy uh, Stupid Love, where he does play someone that is very confident in his sexuality and yeah. very confident with women. Mm-hmm. So he know we know. We know he can pull it off. Yeah, um, he has just, a lot of charisma. I'm just really curious to see how. But it's just funny because this has created some buzz in terms of the type of person that he looks like. You know, it coincides with the new Love Island uh, season that's kicked off, I think, like a week or two ago. And everyone was like, oh, my God, he looks like a Love Island contestant. Um, <laughs> And then there was, like, the Fire Island Pines. Um, mm. Oh, played. yeah, those jokes. Yeah, those jokes as well. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm excited about it. Um, there's obviously yeah. some other buzz that has been happening, allegedly, right? Yeah, I think people are... I mean, the buzz keeps building for this film, which is, like, a blessing and a curse, but everyone's sort of wondering what kind of film Barbie will be, since we still don't really have much information beyond the news of like the ever expanding cast like anybody who's anybody is is somehow in this film um yes. so like a i'd say about a month ago allegedly there was discovery of like an account on letterboxd by margot robbie allegedly mm-hmm. i don't know people maybe don't know for sure if this was her actual secret account yeah. but she had like a, a whole like a, a list titled watch for barbie and yeah. there are a bunch of different films on it and people are there including films that people are probably not thinking would be associated with barbie for example right. the truman show yeah and but yeah that makes it just, so much sense to me it, it like, makes sense once you see yeah. hear that and you know who's directing and writing you know who's involved yeah um, you can picture exactly 
maybe how how this could go like this sort of artifice of life and maybe like some some sentient awareness on on behalf yeah. of like these plastic yeah. dolls yeah. It, it could be really interesting it's i think truman show was on there and also splash was on there which again mm-hmm. makes so much sense to me like splash is one of my favorite like when i was growing up is one of my favorite films it still is so good but yeah i'm i'm excited and it makes sense it tracks like i'm just i think the main thing for me is like i'm curious about what greta Gerwig is going to do with a very iconic you know like americana symbol of, yeah of bobby um mm-hmm. and like what, I mean, what kind of themes is she gonna explore yeah. with her you know i mean i really loved little women what she did with little women yeah. which is also this very like uh iconic american girlhood womanhood yeah. sort of yeah thing in in our literature so yeah she's got the track record she's got yeah. the goods she's got an amazing cast so i guess I, with her mate i'll tell you what though they did the right thing by releasing this photo because we are all i'm like low-key frothing at the mouth of this shit now like <laughs> i don't know if i can wait that long it's just so funny that that is the it, it's just they were like yeah that this is hilarious release it immediately and yeah got, it got it got the reaction that it wanted like we're mm-hmm. all buzzed we're we're all so curious about it um mm-hmm. So yeah, shout out to you, Ryan. You're gonna be great. I'm oh, super yeah, excited. Truly. Yeah, love love him always. So yes, <laughs> this, this will be fun. <laughs> yes. So that's it from us this week. Uh, let us know your thoughts about the Ryan Gosling thing, like the the photo. Let us know if you're excited about it or not. Um, if you're skeptical, we're open to hearing your thoughts. In the meantime, if you are watching anything else that you think we should check out, please let us know at criticismisdead at gmail.com or just at us or DM us at criticismisdead on Twitter and Instagram. For extended show notes, including links to everything that we've been talking about and more, because Jenny is a queen and she will curate your internet uh, culture notes (laughs) for you and she's the best, please subscribe to criticismisdead.substack.com. Um, as always, thank you so much for listening. Please rate and review us on Apple Cod Codpasts uh, <laughs> yes. with uh, with a five stars, please, um, if you could be so kind. And also, just tell a friend about us because we love a word of mouth. Um, anything, honestly. So, thank you so much, and we will see you next week. Bye. Criticism is dead. Is produced by Pelin Keskin Lu and Jenny Chijong. Our music is by Rika. Our artwork and design are by Sarah Macias and Andrew Luke.